I believe God is wise. Let's pray before we, uh, before we start. Father, we worship you. We worship you as Lord of all. And this morning, Lord, uh, we just want to know more of you. That's our real hearts. Lord, above all else, we want to know you. Lord, I pray that you'd just help me to um, express your truths. I pray it help us all to hear uh, in our minds, in our hearts, the truth of Almighty God and know you better. Amen. Right. Today's title, I Believe God is Wise. Um, it's not actually a word that we use very often in, um, uh, in everyday speech, is it? We don't often talk about people as being wise. or it, It's in the Bible, and we do it then, but we use all sorts of other phrases like, he's smart, he's clever, she knows a lot, she's uh, on the ball. Um, and I guess there's a truth in all of those. So just before we get into what the Bible says about God being wise, I want to try and unpack this idea of what is it to, to be wise or to have wisdom. Now I'm going to start with a very human viewpoint because um, in our community group a couple of months ago, I was, we were studying a passage and it talked about wisdom and knowledge. And so we, fortunately we've got an elder, with, so he's clearly very wise. And I asked Gavin, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And this is what he said. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. <laughs> now, I really like that, because I thought about that for a while afterwards. And it actually really does... It, gave us a lot of insight because knowledge, okay, if I know that tomatoes are fruit, it's just something that sits there in my head, I know it's a fruit. But wisdom comes into play when you're doing something. If you're making a fruit salad, you need to know not to put it in. So that's the first clue to wisdom. Wisdom is what you need to make decisions, to do things. Okay, God is wise. Um, as well as quoting Gavin, I'm going to quote another famous theologian, Wayne Grudem, and this is what he said. God's wisdom. God's wisdom means that God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. So it's not he does good things, he does the best. It's not that he does things in a good way. He does things in the best way. God's wisdom means doing the best, choosing the best goals and doing it in the best possible way. Now, we're going to look at God's wisdom today in two points. I know what you're thinking. That's not a proper sermon. Well, it'll be shorter, won't it? God's wisdom in creation... God's wisdom in redemption. Let's start by reading Psalm, it's going to go up on the board, Psalm 104, verses 24 to 25. O oh Lord, how manifold, or how many, are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, 
great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things, both small and great. Okay? Now, let me tell you a little bit about my television viewing habits. Some of my favourite TV, not all of them, obviously. Um, One of my favourite watches on TV is uh, wildlife documentaries. Okay? I love watching wildlife documentaries, whether it's David Attenborough watching lions uh, hunt the wildebeest on the plains of the Serengeti, or whether it's you, Fernie Whittenstall, looking at badgers down in Darset. <laughs> I love the wildlife films, okay? And often you get to the end, and I just, I, I think, I have a little conversation with God. I, you, you look at what has been on the film and what the animals have done, and, and say, God, why did you make them like that? That's phenomenal that those animals do that. And quite often it just flows into a sort of praise, God, you're amazing that you have made all things well. Okay, how, um, how incredible is your creation? But even as I do that, I'm well aware that my response to the... Um, Uh, to the documentary is probably quite different to the people who made the documentary because they've got a different agenda. Um, Their agenda is based around the evolution of species. Their agenda is based around um, the the idea that uh, there's natural selection. In other words, there's a chance. It's all chance involved in the um, evolution of species. There's no design in the universe. They're not making this saying, wow, this is a a creator God. It's an idea that the universe, the wildlife, you and me are a result of chance. Now, in his book Incomparable, Andrew Andrew Wilson um, mentions this, and this is what he says, creatures clearly show the foolishness of humankind. Humankind, whose most popular theory about the formation of life, complete chance, has been reckoned by a professor of biophysics at Yale to have the probability of 1 in 10 to 340 million. Sorry, I'm not a statistician or a mathematician, so I don't understand that either. However, Andrew helps us out. This is the same chance as enough people to fill the solar system all blindfolded, solving a Rubik's Cube simultaneously. In other words, the professor of biophysics says, do you know what? That ain't going to happen. Okay? But that's often the, the, the most popular view of how we got to be like this. The Bible is very different. The Bible talks about the wisdom of God. Okay? Um, take a look at some of the billions of creatures that populate our world and it just speaks of intelligent design, not of random chance. Here's just a few of them. That little fella's a guillemot. Now, guillemots um, uh, lay their eggs up on rock ledges on the cliff. Now, there's a, there's a good reason for that because it keeps them safe from predators. However, you might have noticed that a round egg on a little rock ledge is a little bit vulnerable. So when the guillemot lays its egg, it lays it spinning so that 
it stands a much better chance of staying on the ledge. Isn't that just a, a, a great sort of um, part of creation that that clever thing happens? Okay. Now, this little fella is a bombardier beetle. Okay. Now, you might have come across the term bombardier. It was originally given to a French artilleryman, but it was also used for the person who dropped the bombs from the planes in World War II, a bombardier. Now, both of those are pretty violent, and this little fellow really is. Okay. Now, a lot of animals you know, have different ways of getting away from, from the, whoever's trying to hunt them. They, they have big legs, and they jump quicker, or they run faster. This guy is far more violent. He squirts um, a, a, a jet of hot steam uh, and, and chemicals um, at 100 degrees centigrade at someone that's trying to eat him. Now, he does it this way. In his body, he's got two chemicals, hydrogen peroxide and hydroquinone. If those two are mixed together, nothing happens until, at the very last moment, just as he shoots his little jet, he adds a catalytic enzyme and it raises the temperature to 100 degrees centigrade and it scares off the prey. How do you do that? Now, that one seems to me to be a little bit of a problem to the evolutionist. How many beetles had to explode before they got it right. Okay? It's all very... It works now, but there's a lot of evolution involved in getting three chemicals together at the right time in order to keep yourself safe. I just believe that God is creating infinite diversity and I just feel like the psalmist. Oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made them all. The honeybee waggle dance. There's a little clip here. Go on, there he is. See, look, that's the waggle dance. Now, honeybees live by collecting nectar. And if, if you know where the nectar is, then you want to tell the other honeybees because then they can go and get it. So that's what the waggle dance does, okay? It's a very simple little dance. The wiggle is important because the top of the hive is where the sun is. So, if the honeybee wiggles at 20 degrees from the top of the hive, he's saying, you've got to, you've got to move, you've got to, you've got to fly 20 degrees to the left of the sun. This is a round bit. Okay. But actually, some of the honeybees, when they come back with nectar, they get rid of the nectar, and then they do their little dance. But by that time, the sun has moved on. But the honeybee is able to adjust that waggle dance because the sun's moved on. So instead of 20 degrees, he now knows, despite the fact he hasn't gone out the hive, that it's now 30 degrees. So he does it. There you are. 30 degrees. Oh, the other way this time. Okay. Now, that's all very well. They set off in the right direction, but how far is it? Well, it depends how long he waggles for. If it's a short waggle, then it's a short distance. But if it waggles for longer, it's a longer distance. Okay? So you've got distance and you've got direction. What's the quality of it like? Depends on the intensity of his waggle. Okay? If it's like a, yeah, some nectar out there, it's okay. Or it might be, 
nectar's fantastic. You need to go and get some. That's the best nectar you're ever going to find. Isn't that amazing that a creature that's got a brain the size of a full stop can do that? That's God's manifold wisdom. One, one more. Let's take one of the most common substances on earth. You probably learnt from science lessons that when water goes from liquid to solid state, water to ice, and freezes, it becomes lighter. It's the only substance that does that. Everything else gets heavier. So, okay, so what? Well, because that happens, ice floats. All day long, icebergs are breaking off at the polar regions. They float towards the equator and they melt. And the oceans keep revolving. If ice did the same as every other solid, it would sink. And gradually, the oceans would just become solid, frozen ice. But the fact that water is the one exception means that our oceans continue to flow. Lord, how manifold your works in wisdom you have made them all. Okay. Um, after chapters and chapters of talking about, the wisdom, of talking about God's plan of salvation, uh, Paul writes, the only wise, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, God's demonstrated his wisdom in creation. He's also demonstrated his wisdom in redemption. 1 Corinthians. For since the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Right. Christ is the wisdom of God. Now, Paul is writing to one of the great cities of the world. He's writing to Corinth. And you and I probably don't know what Corinth is like, other than it's a city. Actually, it was one of the big cities of the ancient world, a place of philosophy, a place where uh, new ideas, new culture, high culture would have um, happened. So, it's a bit like if you think London, New York, Beijing, one of those big places that uh, really kind of is a bit full of itself sometimes. It's a city where people discuss new ideas. Yet Paul says, I don't come to you with the wisdom of men. Okay, should we come? Um, and, and so when we look at wisdom in this, this uh, context of this passage, Paul talks about two different types of wisdom. There's human wisdom, 
There's God's wisdom. Human wisdom is all the latest idea. Okay? This is a you know, brand new idea or high culture. This is a new form of art or, or whatever. So I didn't come with all those clever arguments. I came with a very simple message. And that is... My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom. So what is this wisdom that God demonstrates and that Paul preached at, uh, um, at Corinth? When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing whilst I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. This is what Paul is saying. The wisdom of God is a simple, simple message. It's Jesus dying on a cross. It's Jesus taking the punishment for our sin. It's given us a way back to the Father. Forgiven. A message that is inclusive for everyone. A message that is understandable by everyone. This is the wisdom of God. A simple message that all can benefit from. Now, I want you to do something. Um, Stop looking at the screen for a moment. Just take a look around at all those people around you, okay? Look at those people. Now, as you do, take a good, good look. Think what they're like, okay? Uh, what's their personality like? What's their character like? What's their background? Sorry, rhetorical question. You don't have to answer. What's their heritage? What's their ancestry? Now ask yourself the question, are they like you? Well, a few of them might be. Might be next to a relative, but quite often you're thinking, it's not like me. Okay? Raj is looking around thinking, no one as handsome as me. (laughs) No one as clever as me. People are sat behind him thinking, at least I got hair. There is great diversity in our church, in God's church. There is great diversity. And that is a distinct and definite ploy of God. That is where his wisdom really shows. As a church, we're unified and we're diverse. Have you noticed how that mirrors God's wisdom in creation? Creation is a single whole that holds together, and the scientists will will tell you all about that, the way there's unity in creation, uh, sorry, in the whole universe, and there's a diversity. And the church that God is building right here is a demonstration of that harmony, unity, and diversity that God has put into creation. The church reflects that diversity and unity and that is the wisdom of God. Now, can I remind you where we just got started? 
God's wisdom means that God always chooses the best goals, his creation, the unified church, and the best means to those goals. Now, when I read that, I thought, oh, do you know what? I wish that was how I lived. I wish I could always choose the best goals, always go about it the best way. Well, I've got good news for you because there's a promise in God's word. God's promise to you, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. God promises you the wisdom to choose the best goals in life and the best way of doing it. Now, in just a moment we're going to finish. We're going to sing a great hymn, so perhaps if the band could come back and and get ready to play that one, we're going to sing How Great Thou Art and it's a wonderful song of praise to God for his creation and for his salvation. And we're going to sing that. But also, there's going to be a chance to, um, uh, there's going to be a chance for prayer. So if you would like prayer for any of these things, then the, the ministry team will be at the side and uh, there'll be opportunities to pray about this or as you know, on a Sunday morning, in fact, anything that, uh, that you'd like prayer for. So um, some opportunities for prayer. If you would like wisdom in a specific situation, you're facing a a, a difficult decision, a a situation that you just don't know how to deal with, I believe God wants to give you wisdom to answer answer that situation. Maybe it's a bit more general. Um, Wisdom just because, you know, what's ahead? My education, my job, my my life, my my raising my family, um, uh, whatever. If it's more general, God wants to give you wisdom to do that. And finally, there's a little verse that crops up several times in the Old Testament, and it says, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you know what? Knowing God is the starting point to being wise. Now, if you'd like to know God this morning, then that would be a great place to start. So um, if uh, you'd like to stand now, and uh, we're going to sing. If the ministry team could go to the side, and if you'd like prayer for any of those things, for wisdom, then that's great. We'll pray.